Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey, guys. Welcome to week three. Of uh, reanimated dolls or uh, toys that come to life? Or how are we categorizing this? Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, Uh, you get the gist. Look, we watch Child's Play and shit like that. I feel like it's three weeks in. We should have already had the title for the month. How How about... they live when toys come alive. I just... I like mine. Hold that off the top of my head. Child's play and shit like that. Um, fair. So Last week we did dolls. Pick your pick your poison. Week before that we did, obviously, child's play. And then this week you said... Uh, last week you said we were doing a ventriloquist. Yes. Something with ventriloquism. Magic. Are we doing... Is it all about the, Brian, the, about the Henson Studios? No, it's not at all. All right. Um, before we get into talking about this movie... I want to give a quick shout out, and I don't normally do this. I associate this movie with my friend Elvis because he fucking loves this movie and nice. has an original. And uh, yes, his name is Elvis. Daybill? Yeah. Um, like the original like half sheet of this movie. Nice. Framed. He swears by this movie. He fucking loves this movie. Well, this movie. one's for you then, Elby. And I, I, I first encountered this movie because of him. So shout out to you. Rock on. Love you, brother. We do. We um, do love him. What is, so, okay, this is from the 70s. It's an older movie. Well, Cindy, November right. 8th, 1978. I was negative one. <laughs> I was negative several. I'm not even going to do math right now. I have a headache. Fuck it. When were your parents married? Were they even married yet? Uh, my parents got married in 1981. Yes, yeah, so they weren't. They hadn't even met. Uh, yeah, maybe. Oh, well, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, let's see, my sister was <laughs> five. Your sister's old as fuck. Old as fuck? No, stop. No, she's not. She listens. I apologize if you listen to this. She does. I didn't Jack mean that. A, I didn't mean that in a negative way. He's he's a very young boy. We've talked about I'm my young. I'm young. cougar tendencies with Josh. Yeah. Again, flashback to when Cindy thinks she's like 75 years old. I'm so much older than you. <laughs> I went through high school and I went through all of high school with no such thing as the internet. Ever. That's just because you grew up in shitty ass New Jersey. What? Really yeah. better than shitty ass West Virginia don't as far hate. as technology. Uh, don't be mad that I grew up in West by God. And <laughs> you grew up in the armpit, the shithole that is New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So what do we want? Uh, you said it's called magic. <laughs> it's magic. Um, so 1978. Let's talk about what happened that year because okay. that year, apparently, as I talk about the events of that year, very very prominent year for serial killers. Oh, I was going to be like, oh, is Carter uh, president? What's happening? He was. I was going through the year and I was like, holy shit, there was a lot of serial killer action that year. That's a thing. So 1978 is the year that the Sex Pistols held their last concert. It's also uh, the year that Ted Bundy killed all those girls in that sorority in Florida State. Uh, I'll... Alpha Chi or Alpha Chi Omega, one of the two. Uh, the Hillside Strangler was active that year, and I think killed his tenth victim. Charlie Chaplin's <laughs> yeah, Charlie Chaplin's remains were stolen that year. Larry Flint was shot and paralyzed. Dallas debuted. Pete Rose <laughs> and Dallas yeah, debuted. Uh, Pete Rose got his three thousandth major league hit. The first Unabomber attack happened in nineteen seventy eight. The son of Sam killer David Berkowitz was sentenced to 365 years in prison that year. Greece was released. <laughs> John. Uh, yeah, right. The John. rainbow flag. 
Sorry. The rainbow flag was flown. meter going off. Uh, the rainbow flag was flown for the first time at the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day Parade. WKRP in Cincinnati debuted. I'm in WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, the I'm only, full of songs today, guys. The only bad thing about that is you are in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. It's uh, 1978 is known as the year of three popes. Were you aware of that? No. So there was... Is that the John Paul? Is that the, the first year of yes. John Paul when he was uh, elected? It, whatever, so, consecrated, picked by God? I don't know. There was Paul VI and he died. Italian. And then, and then they put in John Paul I and then he died. Italian. Seriously. And it was rumored that he was like mafia murdered. Ooh. And then John Paul II... Which was the first non-Italian? Correct. He was Polish. Pope was put in. Correct. And there you go. It was the year of three popes, nineteen seventy-eight. Wow. Actually, that is really odd. Yeah. And then nineteen seventy-eight was also the year that John Wayne Gacy was arrested. <laughs> oh my God. So seventy-eight was alive and well. Shit. Holy shit! Uh, people that were born that year. Not me. And I picked out a few. I picked out three people specifically that I knew you would love. Kristen Shaw. Yes. Kumail Nanjiani. Yes. And Bill Hader. Yes, all three of them. I love them. I follow them on Instagram, and if they have a podcast, I listen to it. All three born in 1978. Yeah. Um, people that died that year, I just wrote poops. <laughs> Lots of them. And Keith Moon. Oh, well. Yeah. Mm, eh. He was drummer for The Who, right? Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about Keith Moon is apparently he would often dress as a pirate. Hey. To go pick up his mail. Remember when you went through a pirate heavy metal phase? That was pretty fun. Uh, still there. No, nah, not as bad as you were. No, Guys, Josh went down a really hardcore, like, as soon as young, my youngest started liking metal and speed metal, Josh discovered Viking rock. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I won't say that I went through a specific pirate metal phase. You went down a rabbit hole. I went through, and I still am in... A, I, I really love theatrical metal. So like Ghost, Power Wolf, <laughs> Ailstorm. Not Hailstorm right. with an H. Ailstorm with an A. Right. Like that's my thing. So I like theatrical metal. It is what it is. It is what it is. Some of it's super fun. I got to tell you. <laughs> you know I like the Valhalla one. Uh, so Let's get back to this movie. Magic is rated R. It is one hour and 47 minutes long. Did it have a theatrical release? It, it did. Ooh. And... When you hear who made it mm-hmm. and who's in it, you'll be like, God damn, why have I not heard of this movie? Why have you not? All right, here we go. It is directed by Sir Richard Attenborough. Okay. Uh, he directed this and then immediately followed this with Gandhi. Wow. Which he won the Oscar I for. I can't wait to compare the two um, in their cinematic He actually attributes. directed this movie. So he would be allowed to direct Gandhi. Like, okay. Yeah, he had to do he, one for the team. Yeah, he did one to raise the money to make Gandhi, which was like his lifetime passion project. Uh, you, the listener, Oscar would Ben Kingsley, actually know him best as an actor. Yes. From playing the Chris Kringle role from the 1994 Miracle on 34th Street, and more importantly, playing. Jurassic Park owner John mm-hmm. Hammond from the original Jurassic That's Park That's where movie. everybody knows him. Yeah. That was uh, one of his big last roles. This movie is written by William Goldman based on a book by William Goldman. Well, how exciting. Um, if you don't know who William Goldman is, you've been living in a cave. 
because he is the guy who wrote Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid, All the President's Men, and the Princess Bride book and movie. So in theory, this should be a knock-it-out-of-the-park movie. (laughs) Yeah. It stars, stars in the lead, playing both quirky and fats, Anthony Hopkins. Nice. Okay. Um, if you would have asked me when we started this podcast, hey, um, what do you think the first horror film with Anthony Hopkins you'll watch on the podcast will be? Did you think it I would, would have be magic? Not said magic. <laughs> but here we are. Here we go. Um, obviously, Sons of the Lambs is yes. what you would know him from, or Elephant Man. Yeah. If you're me. <laughs> I, well, I mean, even I'm. Well, I'd seen Elephant Man, though. Uh, this movie also stars Anne Margaret. Hey! She plays Peggy Ann Snow. Does she dance? Uh, <laughs> no? Okay. Not an, I don't believe so. Now, she's in Grumpy Old Men. She's... In Grumpier Old Men? Uh, she's in she... <laughs> Cece and Company, which is a Joan Namath action movie. She's in Viva Las Vegas. She's yes. the redhead coochie-coochie girl from Viva Las Vegas with Elvis Presley. She's also in The Villain. Have you ever... No, I don't think I have. Okay. So, the villain. I'm just going to take a quick aside to tell you the plot of the villain, Cindy. The villain is a movie where Aunt Margaret has to travel through the Old West. Mm-hmm. And she's escorted by a very handsome, young Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is a Western. Okay. He plays a character named Handsome and, Stranger. And does he talk? Yes, he does. <laughs> Um, and nobody thinks it's weird. He pl- no, it's a comedy. Okay. It's, it's a very okay. it's a comedy. Uh, it's before he made it big. He plays a character named Handsome Stranger. And when they ask him why he's named that, he says, uh, "Was named after my father." But he doesn't sell the joke at all, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> and then the bad guy who wears Love all it. black is Kirk Douglas. Whoa. And it legitimately is a live action Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner movie. That sounds terrific. Like, he rolls this giant boulder down, and it rolls over Kurt Douglas and, like, flattens him. That like, is just, hilarious. Just like Wiley Coyote. Like, that movie is goddamn hilarious. <laughs> okay, but uh, back to magic. Magic, Josh. That brings us, lastly, in the cast I'm going to talk about Burgess Meredith. Whoa. Uh, so we have a star-studded cast. Yeah, Ben Green. So, you know him from Mickey from the Rocky movies. Yep. Uh, Clash of the Titans, also from Grumpy Old Men. Yep. He was from the on- Bacon Kawana Sandwich. Wanalea. Bacon Sandwich. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. I want to go to White. Wait, the, the island of Kawana Wanalea. Um The dirty old granddad. <laughs> God damn, Pop. Yeah. Uh, this movie is stacked. The cast is stacked. And was it a, a major runaway hit? It? Yeah. It, it it did really well, and it's weird that it's kind of forgotten about. I was going to say, that's weird that no one's heard of it then, right? Like, it, we'll talk about this on the back half. Okay. It influenced a lot of other things. Other better movies? In, in horror culture, um, and pop culture too, that we know the other things better. Okay. Uh, but I don't know why this movie isn't. I don't know if it just disappeared for a long time and no one was talking about it, but... Well, we'll talk about it on the back half. It's crazy. Show me a poster for this, man. So this is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original poster of the film and I try to figure out what it's about. I'm going to guess it's about a toy that comes to life. Oh, that's a creepy-ass doll. It's The doll is specifically made to look like Andy yeah. Hopkins. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's a ventriloquist doll, so it has, like, the ruddy 
nose and cheeks. Abracadabra, I sit on his knee, presto changeo, and now he is me. Hocus pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is fun. We're dead. No, they kind of gave up there on the end, gave up the I Am Victimtameter a bit. Uh, I think it is about a man who can be a doll or be alive, and he does that to break into houses and steal things and kill people. And then he turns back into a doll, and nobody knows. Okay. All right. Where can we find this movie, Beard? Um, I think it's on Shutter. I saw it streaming somewhere. I feel like we're going to be watching this on Pornhub. (laughs) We're going to end up with one of them again. It's on Shutter or Prime, one or the other. I will... um... Double check. And Everyone's still butthurt about you last week. You <laughs> if know I did, that. If I had to jump through some crazy hoops, I'll put an addendum on the front. Like, I'll oh. put a thing on the front of the episode and we'll cover it like we did last week. But. All right. All right, then. We're off to find uh, Magic and uh, Anthony Hopkins. So have fun with that. So uh, mind the doors. Abracadabra, I sit on his knee. Presto, change and now he is me. Pocus, pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is free. We're dead. Josephine Levine presents Magic, a terrifying love story, starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, and Burgess Meredith, rated R. Hey guys, welcome back from watching Magic, Magic. Uh, an Anthony Hopkins gem that I never knew about. I really like this movie. I didn't think it was, I mean, it was horror, obviously, but man, this was a thriller. It was like a, like a, not a psychic thriller. That's the wrong word. <laughs> a psychic thriller. A psychic thriller. Like Brandon Palmer's The Fury. <laughs> I was thinking more like that guy, Jonathan Edwards, gets murdered, but I mean, whatever. We both, you know, have a I... I was actually pleasantly surprised by how much you enjoyed this movie. Did you not think I would? No, I thought you would like it, but you really seemed to like it. I really, it was different. It was, um, it kept me guessing. Like, I kept between whether or not it was a cursed doll or a mental uh, disease. And it was just really neat. And (laughs) it was neato. I just Um. realized it's... (laughs) <laughs> what is it, 1950? I really liked it. I really liked the... Everyone gave a great performance. I, and I don't understand why it's not more popular when people talk about Anthony Hopkins movies. I would say Angelia movies, but nobody talks about her. Oh. They should, though. She's a really good actress. Maybe in Elvis's day. Um, so, before we... Well, do you want to recap the plot before we get into it? Yeah, so a man discovers uh, he can find success if he uses a ventriloquist and if he uses a ventriloquist dummy and his he he develops you know the dummy develops its own personality and he's divided um mentally between the doll and himself and people who figure that out he murders how is that did i do all right um imdb has it as a ventriloquist at the mercy of his vicious dummy, while he, um, aventu- ah, I'm sorry, Aventrocus is at the mercy of his vicious dummy while he tries to renew a romance with his high school sweetheart. I would, oh yeah, well that, that's, but it's not, hmm, I guess that leads to like the twist, twist. of whether or not, because that, that kind of leads you to feel as though that it, they're talking about 
the dummy is like Satan. You know, it's a demonic it's doll. And that's not um, it at all. So there are fan theories around this movie. And oh, I'm so I guess it, it, it does have a cult following? Throw, yeah, I'm going to throw a couple of them at you, and you tell me which one that you think. I'm going to catch them. Um, the predominant one is Fats... The, the dummy, the doll. Yeah, the, the, the doll uh, that always dresses like Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Just well, like he's Billy Crystal in soap. Oh, hold on. So before we get into this, do they dress alike at the beginning or is it later? It gets they... more pronounced as they yeah, go on. Like later they're dressed exactly mm-hmm. the same. Like down to like the same undershirts. Did you ever watch sweaters. Soap? It would have been Not in... regularly. Okay, so... I was a latchkey kid, so over the summer, I watched a lot of Lifetime, and in the 80s and early 90s, uh, Lifetime during the day consisted of Golden Girls, Designing Women, 30-something. Empty Nest. Empty Nest. <laughs> you, you, you get it, right? Uh, and um, I want to say Soap. It was, I think what it was, was Nurses. Oh, Nurse, Nurses was a spinoff of Empty Nest, which was a spinoff of Golden Girls. I like Nurses. I can still th- sing their theme song. Challenge. Um, here I am, right or wrong. Where I am, you belong. Here I am. With Lonnie Anderson. Don't fuck with me. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> and, I just want to hear you sing but I want to say, like, in the earlier morning, before we got to those gems, we had the 70s, like Three's Company and Soap. And... When Netflix first started with, you know, the DVD in the mail thing, they had the entire, the complete series of soap. And I was like, you know, it has every actor, actress I've ever really liked in it. All right, I'm going to get, and it's so goofy and stupid, but Billy Crystal plays an openly gay man who has a little twin, and his twin's a ventriloquist dummy. And it's like, yeah, sorry. Anyway, that I went a really long way to say very simple stuff. Anyway, uh, that is Magic and Billy Crystal and the theme song to Nurses. I'm sorry. Part of part of my job, like, you have to bring the thunder and, like, sing songs and talk and, and, and engage the listener while I just pull things out of your path yeah. you flail your If they are, I am. I'm a, I'm a northerner. I talk with my hands, and I'm not even that bad about it. Yeah. Um, you are a... You were a cord puncher for sure. <laughs> okay, so um, okay. in the movie, hold on these these fan theories. I'll, I'll okay, go ahead. Um, so the first one is fats the is dummy. a representation of disassociative identity disorder. Right, DID. That's correct. So do you think that's the case? Do you think it's that, or maybe the second one is schizophrenia? No. Right? Oh, there's a loud, uh, we've got like a helicopter going overhead. Great. No, that's not a helicopter. That's like a truck. That's loud as fuck. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So do you think it's disassociative identity disorder? Yes. Formerly multiple personality disorder. I do not think it's schizophrenia, no. Um, that fats, the doll is possessed. No. Or that it's some sort of like drop dead Fred imaginary friend situation I think that it's the drop dead Fred imaginary friend situation because of a it's a dis, it's a personality disorder yes so you disassociative personality disorder a and d yes um I choose I, both a and d i e none of these think that it's definitely 
supposed to be like a multiple personality, like a mm-hmm. disassociative. And that, that was real situation. big in the seventies. We have Sybil, uh, was it the Faces of Eve or whatever? Yeah, I, I feel like Fats the Doll is is pure Corky id. Mm-hmm. Like he says everything that Corky wishes he could say. Yes. Like anytime he talks to a girl or confronts anyone, he slips into that personality. Right. The only time he doesn't is with... Who's your name? Peg? In the movie? And and And, Margaret's character. Yeah, and Margaret's character. The only time he he doesn't is with Peg. He seems really smooth and cool with Peg. But whenever he tries to get her back after the Fats has fucked it up, Mm -hmm. he slips back into Fats. To say goodbye. To say goodbye and then to try to get her to open the door because he's like, she would never open the door for me. No one would ever love me. So you're right. And what is disassociative personality disorder except the manifestation of your id and your ego? You know what I mean? That that hard want and desire and then like the overly logical side. And so there is that. And there's, you know, there's brief little flashbacks where I think there you're led to believe, you know, like, oh, maybe he killed these people. Like he's at his parents funeral. But I took that more as this kid has some PTSD and you know he's, he lost his family at a young age it sounds it looked like it was the perfect family right and one of the flashbacks you know dad's throwing a ball and you know that that whole perfect world and I think that he didn't get treatment and that's when it began he kind of found his voice using this dummy that his parents died and, and somehow he ends up not joining the circus but he falls under this magic act guy who really believes in him and who Merlin, really Merlin, Merlin Jr. and yeah <laughs> Merlin Jr. and what's his name in the movie what's Anthony Hopkins name in the movie Quirky Quirky I forget that and Quirky which sounds a lot like like Quirky Quirky like and Quir- odd off Quirky is a so weird Quirky is so hard on himself and he has such a horrible self-esteem and self-image and Merlin Jr. kind of keeps like no you're really good you're the best you I know you've got it I know you've got it so then when Merlin dies the only way that Quirky can kind of give himself compliments or make himself do something is through the doll through fats yeah no which I don't understand why was his name fats it was just a normal doll it wasn't like extra fat or extra thin or something let me ask you I think it's like the you know like the gangster stereotype of yeah like, oh you know, that's how i took maybe. it but let me ask you a question because i've been thinking of, like weirdly this is the detail of the movie i've been thinking about mm-hmm. the most What's so that? in the beginning whenever he goes it's like i think the first scene uh whenever he he comes home and merlin jr wakes up and he gives him his medicine and he's like how did it go mm-hmm. and he's walking him through it and he's clearly lying Correct. because it did not yeah like, he bombed and instead he's like he, oh they loved it he did everything right but no one gave a shit and because then he, he says he had that freak out where he was like screaming at him do you think he really did that or do you think that that's how he wanted to what he wanted to do but he didn't actually it could be either way if we say that yes he did do that he finally lost it and freaked out and then everyone maybe kind of laughed then that may have been like okay that's how i have to be but i can't be that so this little character can be or it's man i wish i had done that i'm going to bring somebody up with me who can so i think either theory would you know holds water yeah it floats both boats i think he didn't 
lose his temper and scream at them. Yeah, because that's so out of character. Not only that, like, that's something that a very quiet, introverted person would do, would be like, the whole ride home, this is what I should have done. Correct. And then when someone's yeah. like, how does it go? And that's and what every person you tell does. them, you're like, well, this is what I did. And you, you spice it up with what you wish you would have done. Mm-hmm. Like, I just yeah. screamed at him. This was a thousand hours of my life, you fucking idiots. And whenever he yells, like, but he... <laughs> whenever he, he yelled, did. yeah. I, I think, think that's, that's a good point. what he wanted to say to him. And that's a weird, like, little detail that I just kept running over in my head. Like, did he? I don't think he did. I don't like, think he, That's a... I don't hmm. know, like, that may be, like, the weird part of the movie to get stuck on. That got... Well, the, whatever. Where my brain kept going back I see to why it. he got there, buddy. What this movie is all about. I like this movie. <laughs> I do too. Ooh, I do too. This movie, as far as like thematic elements, it's about mental disease, which by the way, I'm starting to call mental disease. In England, they call things disease rather than illness because they want people to take it seriously. Isn't that strange? And I just kind of went, huh. Um, I, I agree 100% with you on that and on the whole idea of like what the movie's about but i think it also has another little kernel in there which is like the danger of going home yeah you can't go home again like well not only that like because he doesn't necessarily go home because his home's gone right but he goes he he goes to the house and there's the you know the kids or whatever he sees flashbacks and whatnot but he walks down the idea of out of nowhere See, to us, to him, it was probably like a, in his head, he was going to do it anyway. But to us, out of nowhere, he'll just go home and be like, I'm here to track down my high school love interest and win her over. Yeah, and so her peg lives in, uh, people don't know, I think only Jewish people and me know, but there used to be a city as large and as popular as Las Vegas in the middle of the New York Catskills. Um, that family getaway retreat in Dirty Dancing, there were hundreds of them, all peppered throughout the Catskills. There were some that were casinos. There were some that were music halls. There were, I mean, people like Jerry Le- Jerry Lewis, I'm sorry. Jerry Lewis became a comedian by just living there. His mom uh, worked at Grossinger's, and he just was a, comedian, a stand-up comedian and went down the block. You know, that's just how it was done. Anyway, uh, people don't know about it because it became abandoned. It was too expensive to keep up. The tourism in that area died once with the population, popular, like popularity and cheapness of like air conditioning. You know what I mean? You don't have to escape the city in, over the summer. You just turn your AC on. Uh, and so this takes place at one of those. Peg inherited this cool family re- resort that nobody goes to and nobody wants to buy which was the problem yeah at the end of the era when people cared yeah so i man anywho you have been ooh, you have been telling me uh the last few days you you said i have something to tell you about this movie but we have to do it on air Ah, okay well let's walk through the trivia for this what i wrote down and we'll talk about it and then when we get there uh i wanted to save it for the air because i want to get your thoughts on it and i want to get your genuine not pre-thought-out thoughts. Okay, um, not so, thought-out thoughts. Yeah. Most so, of my thoughts are not thought-out, <laughs> folks. I don't know if you're the, aware of uh, The producer of this movie, Joseph E. Levine, um, paid a reported $1 million 
for the rights to the novel that William Goldman wrote and for Goldman to write the screenplay. So that's where the that's where this movie. That's started. where the well that's it came from William Goldman's novel. Um, I've not read the novel, but I understand that it expands in the beginning more on Corky and Merlin Jr.'s relationship and how that came about and how he came to work for him. So that's the part of the movie that was predominantly cut okay. from the book. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Levine wanted Norman Jewison to direct. What a name. Yeah. Norman Jewison um, did In the Heat of the Night. In the Heat! Okay. That was like his big claim to fame. Okay. And he also is the person who started Hal Ashby's career. I love me some um, Hal Ashby. He's my favorite Hal director. Hal Ashby was Norman Jewison's uh, editor. And Norman Jewison, not Jewish. <laughs> Lies. Um, yeah. I need to say he's his Canadian. Papers. <laughs> you can still be Jewish and Canadian, yeah, Josh. He's it's Canadian not and race. not Jewish. Uh, let's see. Um, anyway, he wanted Nor- Ooh, he wanted Norman Jewison to direct, and Norman Jewison wanted an unknown ventriloquist to play the part of Corky. And he ended up with um, a guy named Jay Johnson. And the studio told him that he had to have a name actor and they would not make it without a name. At which point they reached out to and to Jack Nicholson. Okay. So um, it was going to be Jack He Nicholson does psychotic really well. In a Norman Jewison film. And then their schedules never quite lined up. So they both ended up exiting the project. At which point... Briefly, Mike Nichols was considered. Okay. You know, the director of The Graduate. Okay, um, okay, that's what I know the name from. He was going to come on. trying to figure it out. And he was apparently just in talks for a minute. Like, he came and went, and then it fell to Spielberg. This was going to be a Steven Spielberg movie. Wow. Oh, okay. uh, which is interesting because Richard Attenborough ended up playing uh, Hammond in the Jurassic Park movie for Spielberg. Oh, that's right. But Spielberg... <laughs> wanted to cast and this should become like a drinking game with how many times we watch a movie that almost starred Robert De Niro. Was this another because one? And another wanted one. Robert De Niro to play the quirky role. And another one. Um and then they ended up that fell through. So when Anthony Hopkins got this role at that time uh, when did this come out? Was it 82, I think? Or is that my, my way off? Whatever. Was he a big star in America? I mean, I know most people, when we think of Anthony Hopkins, they say Silence of the Lambs, that iconic role. But he was a movie actor he, before that. He was, but he wasn't nearly the star. He was. Um, 78. This came out in 78. Oh, I was way, well, not so way off. So he hadn't but... even done, like, Elephant Man yet. Like, well, well, Elephant Man became, like, until... The um, Silence of the Lambs, Elephant Man was kind of the yeah, thing he was okay, looking for. Yeah, okay, fair. But so. even then, I mean, well, so and, he looks so different. I think it's that goofy haircut. Yeah, fun fact, when they cast him as Hannibal Lecter, they based wanting him off of the psychoticness of this movie and how incredibly, like, kind-hearted and good he was in The Elephant Man. They were like, the fact that he can do both, if we can somehow put them together... He could be the most manipulative, evil, twisted motherfucker ever. And that's why they wanted for Silence <laughs> Okay. Of it's one half this movie and one half the other. This was done really, really well. I always look at movies, you know that, I always look at movies um, that handle mental disease very critically because of uh, the baggage that I come with. And, and man, he did such a good job with that. 
He definitely, the times... um, The scene where he's told to set the doll down, like the ventriloquist doll down, and not talk as quirky, or not talk as, um, I'm sorry, as fats for five minutes, and he's like, I can do that, and he's like, then do it. He can't. He makes it a two and a half, then ends up killing the like guy. The saddest moment in this movie. It is well, but it is because I, you know, that we've all not we all, but the, we all in this room, meaning you and I, we've seen that, right? Like, okay, you're not an addict. Cool, go an hour without filling the addiction. Yeah, he. I can't. Yeah, there like, you go. That's a problem. He, he asks as soon as the, he starts the clock. He's like, "How long has it been?" He's like, "It's been thirty seconds," and he's like, "Okay." I can do this. Which is so... It, the reason... Because mm, when he, he does have an afternoon alone with Peg and doesn't have Quirky there. And I think that's why he feels like he's in love with her. Because he can just be himself. And she sees Fads as like a funny little dummy. Yeah. It, it might be the same thing. Like, And I don't want to dog on religion. Or How anything, dare you? But people that overcome an addiction tend to fill that with something else Mm -hmm. right like heavy drinkers who quit drinking suddenly become really into coffee or really into god uh drug addicts a lot of them Mm -hmm. get really into religion Mm -hmm. because you're Mm -hmm. filling that with something else and i think she provides this moment of clarity for him and so he latches onto that i think he's got feelings from her for high school obviously yeah that's a given but how I mean, I want you to think for a second. By you, I mean you, Cindy, and you listeners. All right. Everybody I want you to pay imagine attention. who you were at 16, 17, mm-hmm. and who you are now, mm-hmm. and how different those people are. What makes me laugh so hard is you, you sound so much like a therapist saying that, right? How many people while away in their middle years dreaming about high school? You know, and you're like, you wouldn't, you would hate you. You going back then, you were a brat, you were, you know, whatever. Yeah, and you at 16, 17 would hate you now. Exactly. Like, because you're different people and you're supposed to be. Right. You're supposed to grow and be different. If you're the same person, if you're 40 and you're the same person you were at 16, 17, you're probably not in a good place. Well, it's interesting. That is the way that we taught uh, my son's how life is um their father and i divorced super amicably we did a we did a good job i think um separating and and keeping our humor and trying to keep our friendship together but we we, we've taught our children because he subsequently moved on and very happy and obviously so am i and so we've taught them that like there isn't just one big love of your life some people do, and that's awesome that you found your person. Like, that's great. But you become different people throughout your life. You change and you grow, and some people can change and grow with you, and that is awesome. But you don't, and that's okay. And that doesn't mean that you don't love that person. It doesn't. But, you know, it just means that you're not that. Do you know what I mean? And so that's how we explain, like, we loved each other when you two were created, and being, you know, like, we loved each other. But we, the parents that we became, the adults that we be, we got, I got married very young. Uh, it was like, oh, no, you deserve better and I deserve better. Like, this isn't. Yeah, like, at one point, you went left and you went right. Exactly. And acknowledging that and just being like, cool. The, the years 98 through whatever 
cool, that, that version of Cindy and that version of him were great. We're not those people anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to change. You're supposed to, you know, shed your skin every now and then. I 100% agree with Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to segue back to, if you'll allow me, to All finish right. off this trivia. Oh, sorry. We've got oh, some yeah, more trivia. You're good, you're good. And, and what, this is what I wanted to talk to you All about. All right, here we go. Um, okay, so... Spielberg ended up, like I said, he was going to cast De Niro, and he left the project, and so did De Niro. So William, um, the producer, uh, Joseph E. Levine, hired Attenborough because he'd worked with him before on A Bridge Too Far. Now, that means there's three key players at this point. There's William Goldman, who mm-hmm. wrote the book and the screenplay. All right. Richard Attenborough, who'd just been brought on as, as the director. The director. And Joseph E. Levine, who was the producer of The Money Man. Two of the three, um, William Goldman and Richard Attenborough, both wanted Gene Wilder as Corky. And Joseph E. Levine said, no. No comedians playing the part of a comedian. Because he felt like it would undermine um, the horror and the seriousness of the movie. And... but. Hold on. It gets better because in an interview in the 90s, when asked, um, what is the role you most regret missing out on? Gene Wilder said this movie. Yeah. He really, really wanted to play Corky. Um, And Uh, I wanted uh, to get your thoughts on this movie, but with Gene, a 1978 Gene Wilder. So can you while you look at can you look at IMDb and see what year did Willy Wonka come out? So while he's doing that, um, I am a super fan of uh, Gene Wilder's first wife, Gilda Radner. Nineteen seventy one. Seventy. Okay. <clears throat> see, she's freaking god. Okay. So I love Gene Wilder. I appreciate him for the role he played um, in my Gilda's life. And think about okay, think about Willy Wonka. The parts that made Willy Wonka fucked up. Let's go. You know what I'm talking about? That boat, right? That boat scene. Um, Even at the end when he goes, nothing, you get nothing. He is genuinely terrifying. He has a face that is meant for, oh, I can be light and funny and then really scary. Even in Young Frankenstein, we see a little bit of it when he starts to go mad, you know. It, it's part of what makes it funny is that he's so, like, he's losing his mind and you buy it. I was, oh, man. So. He should have got that for, role. For reference. I wish I was his uh, if this, agent. When this came out, this would have fallen between a silver streak and world's greatest lover. <laughs> it would have followed that and then preceded the Frisco Kid and Stir Crazy. That's the era of Jumana we're talking about. Yeah. I think if... if I, I mm. No disrespect to Anthony Hopkins because... Oh, I think he, he did, did a phenomenal role. I, I really un- want to see the alternate universe where Gene Wilder plays this part and I want to enjoy the shit out of that movie because I think it would have been... I, I think it wouldn't. this movie would not have been as forgotten. And again, I don't think that's because of uh, Anthony Hopkins... Um, I think it, I just think at the time he was a like now in hindsight I think Anthony Hopkins is the bigger name thanks to the Sons of the Lambs but at the time Gene Wilder would have been 
This movie would have been fucking huge. I can't. Until you said his name, I couldn't think of anybody else that would fit the that would fit the part the way that Anthony Hopkins did. Like when you were going with Robert De Niro, and it was like no, 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 no. Oh, but Gene, I mean, oh man, Gene Wilder, you can totally see. You can totally see. Um, And the thing about Anthony Hopkins, which this is my post this movie baggage, I. I don't think you can see him in anything remotely scary and not have Silence of the Lambs baggage. Fair. Which, that's something that people, when this movie came out, would not have had. Fun fact. I don't have that baggage. <laughs> so, to me, it's a thing where, like, I see I've him never and seen like, Silence of the Lambs, guys. Get over clearly it. Clearly, he's a psychopath. <laughs> it was, gosh, it was so good. Um, but in the, in the same way that he probably landed Silence of the Lambs because of his portrayal of a psychotic in this movie, I feel like Gene Wilder should have gotten this movie because of his portrayal of a psychotic in Willy Wonka. Well, I think... I'm going to write my doctoral thesis on this. I think Gene Wilder was kind of the perfect choice for this. And I think, don't I mean, don't get me wrong, I, Anthony Hopkins, like we said, did a great job. I just... I kind of really want to see what Gene Wilder would have done with this. Guys, I just had to go through the whole morning process over again when I remember Gene Wilder's did. Uh, so Anthony Hopkins, let's talk about him for a split second and why he's so good in this movie. So he learned actual magic tricks. And he, t- he was taught and learned ventriloquism, including how to project his voice. By Jeff Dunham. to manipulate that doll. He did. Like he did all of that himself. Like yeah. He do it. And he also... When he was learning, the guy who taught him uh, gave him the doll, and he took it home one night. And he was like, he called Richard Attenborough in the middle of the night. He's like, "Come get this fucking doll out of my it's house!" It's creepy as hell. Throwing it down the ravine, so I had to go get it because he was like, I, it's creepy "I would as get fuck. up and it would just be there, and it looked like me, and it was terrifying." Yeah, so, I can see that for uh, sure. Yeah, the last little bit of new, um, trivia I have for you about this is the dummy from this movie. Is it? Is the inspiration for R.L. Stein's Goosebumps doll slap? That's what he reminds me of. That's I, where he I was, got the slappy character. I from. was just getting ready to say out loud, the dummy. It wasn't a Charlie. Like it, it wasn't a Charlie Mur- Not Charlie Murphy. Charlie, <laughs> a Charlie it, Murphy. Dummy. It was. You know, it was kind of like Punch, but not. A, yes, it's it's the R.L. Stein. Yes. That yeah, R.L. Stein. That's exactly Got what that the is. idea for Slappy from this movie. So that's where I came from. Yeah. It, yes. Okay. That's so, it. Overall, I loved it. Like it? I, loved I really it. like it. I wouldn't say it. I loved I it, did. but I did really like it a lot. I loved it. Uh, I loved it. Loved it. I would watch this again. Um, would you watch it with your children? Well, I was just thinking that it is pretty interesting, and the teenager and I have seen worse sex scenes. You know what I mean? Like, together and been like, like we, eh, eh. Yeah. I, I do love 70 sex scenes because they'll just be like, that dude's got hair on his back. You just deal with it. Yeah, yeah. He's a very hairy, Anthony Hopkins, surprisingly hairy man. Uh, I, yeah, I think I would see this with the teenager. Um, I think he would find it as interesting as I did. What was it? Is it possessed? Is it, you know, a break? What is it? I really liked it. I really now, loved it. Now, there is a scene where Anthony Hopkins sits fats down and gets up and walks away and the doll's eyes move. Yes. And you pointed that I out. I did point that out. Apparently, that was done by accident. Like it was just a cut? 
And, well, like, when he sat it down, apparently, like... Oh, they rolled. It, its eyes just rolled from where I was sitting. And they were going to reshoot it, and the director just liked it. Attenborough liked yeah. it. He's like, it's kind of creepy. Like, it's the one thing that will make people go, is it possessed? It's the one thing that made me go. Like... But at the same time... <laughs> and he also plays... And I the, work with puppets. I know. That you, yeah, the eyes. When you yeah. set them down, they just flash to the side. He also... Well, it just plays up that angle when he kills Ed Lauder's character, the husband. Yeah. Because even you were like, oh my god, the do- it's alive, it's alive. Like, oh the my doll god, it's alive. was just... But then Anthony Hopkins is holding it, yeah. killing him through the puppet. To make him think, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just to scare him and... Ugh. It was creepy. I, I, don't even know. I don't even think that. I think it's, at that point, like... Fats is the dominant personality. So okay, yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, I didn't because see then Fats stays in control as they dispose of the body. Yeah, and... I, I didn't see anything about this, but there was um, for those of you, I, I'm not going to be able to remember the name, and I apologize. Great. There was a villain on Batman the Animated Series named and <laughs> I'm, <sorry. laughs> uh, I'm, I'm I just sure someone it'll come face. to me when we get off the air, but. There, it's like a mild-mannered, like librarian-looking guy, who carries Scarface. Scarface is his name, and he has a doll mm-hmm. that's dressed like a gangster. Has a little Tommy gun, and he kills people. Isn't he when he goes to jail? He puts like a sock on his hand. Yeah, yeah, I do. I yeah. So I think I passively watch that through you and my son. I think that character is definitely based off this movie. Fair. <laughs> so just another um, way this movie keeps. Weirdly adding to pop culture, but it's still you don't kind of like it's about. yeah. What are we watching next week? Is uh, it another forgotten classic? Kinda. What is it? So we're gonna go a lot newer. And this is the end of the month, right? Yeah. Uh, it's time to get back because I feel like we've been softball pitching you all month. Rude. It's time to watch a movie that may actually kill you. Fuck. We're gonna watch uh, James Wan and Lee Winnell's. Dead Silence. Uh, what year? I think like 2007, if I'm not Damn mistaken. It. So, cool. From the guys who made the Saw movies, the Insidious movies, and the Conjuring movies, this is the one that failed. I hope you <laughs> can all hear the failure. face I'm making right now. So we're gonna. I I'm never thought again face right how I, I think I said at the beginning of this episode. I never imagined that our first. Anthony Hopkins horror movie would be magic. I never thought our first Lee Winnell James Wan horror film would be Dead Silence, but here we are. God damn it. So, I'm excited. Well then, until next week. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy, and I'm still his girlfriend. Yay! (laughs) Magic. Ooh, ooh, oh, it's magic.